and welcome to the Rugby Biz Podcast. And since the Springboks are back playing the URC, we are now also back in, in podcasting as well. Um, I'm Tala. I'm joined by Cooks and Sean today. We're going to be looking back into week four of the URC and just do a quick catch up on what's going on in the URC, the Premiership and the Fresh Top 14 in preparation for the first weekend of European Champions Cup rugby. And shame, also Challenge Cup because the Sharks are now in it as well. Um, let's start with Sean. Sean, how are you doing? How's been the last few weeks? Um, just you sort of easing back into rugby the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. We we are we are the Johnny Sexton of podcasts powered by rugby, but we only come back for the Champions Cup <laughs> and the Six Nations. Other than that, we spend time in. Uh, where do we go on holiday, Cooks? We had um, a good break. I mean, we, I, I definitely think we're the Dennis, Johnny Sexton of um, of rugby podcasts. I do love the fact that, like Tyler mentioned, that. When the when the box off, we off. I love that. I love that about us. We don't <laughs> we don't pod on the first week of URC. The same way we're not going to pod when Ireland plays Italy. That um, I, I like this approach. I like this approach we have. Yeah, we're not Marvin <laughs> Ori, who's a flipping machine. <laughs> not Oakley's been. Yes, yeah, see, Marvin like went straight back into the top football. Not back in. He's went straight back into into rugby and played for the top fourteen. A couple of guys have been rested up. Uh, Andre Pollard's cooking. Jasper Visser's cooking. Rory Cockett, not that he was, uh, not that he was in uh, at the World Cup. I mean, Rory Cockett's having a great time at Stade Francais, but um, sheesh, yeah. Stade Francais is having a flipping great time at Stade Francais. They're cooking at the moment. Yeah, mm. they've got a great side. They seem to have a good, fun bunch of guys. We'll definitely chat about their midfield soon. But um, I'm loving their their kit. They've gone back to their old kit, um, and they're getting ready for the for Europe. But Tyler, to answer, it, I haven't really had a break. I've been a little bit busy, but I did definitely take um, Saturday off and saw my mates and Sunday a little bit. And I've been trying to get out early for a surf. Anytime I can get out and free my mind is early in the morning before the world wakes up. Uh, fair enough. And yeah, glad to be back in the podcast with you. Cooks, Mr. Many commercials. I feel like I haven't, I've, I've been talking to you the whole time since you've been talking to me, <laughs> selling me whatever products you're selling me these days. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, I'm just trying to make sure that you don't miss me too much. That's all I want. I don't Fair want you enough. to feel like you know I'm never in your life, and um, so that that that's the thing. But um, I've been good, eh? A uh, good break, sort of slowing down into the year. I think um, I've definitely sort of uh, taken the foot off the pedal. Um, like work-wise, work is slowing down. I think from the 19 sort of wrap-up work. So yeah, so it's actually been very nice. I've eased my way back into some rugby. Um, clearly, I chose. The wrong week to to watch the Sharks. I should have waited till last week when they pumped the Dragons. So should have actually played last week. Yeah, I created World Cup as well, but we don't, we don't talk about that, please. We I'm focused on India. We focus on India now, right now. I oh, got you. Now saying, <laughs> don't you have another World Cup? I mean, you've only done twelve this year, so or twelve hundred, I think. Listen, the word World Cup triggers me now. It's it's a very triggering statement. I don't want to hear. The word World Cup. I don't whether it's a badminton World Cup. You could tell me the rugby World Cup starts again tomorrow. I'm not in it. Sorry, I'm taking a break from the. Um, give me anything with like URC, um, championship. Just don't don't let it be called World Cup. That's my it's my trigger word for. I've, I've even I've even muted those words from Twitter. <laughs> no, I think it's good that we are all easing ourselves back into it and have a lot to catch up on. We're going to be trying to just. Just, you know, put our feet in the water or, you know, just take a temperature on the four South African URC teams and see where they are at the moment. I'm sure both Sean and Cooks are keen to talk about where the Sharks are. 
And then we're going to be pre- um, previewing the Champions Cup and looking at you know how the top fourteen and Premiership sides are shaping up to uh, shaping up as well. But let's start with a bit of news. And um, the first bit of news is um, well, as as we as you guys know, Rugby Bits is known for a few things, and one of the things that they're known for is it being an Owen Farrell stan account. So Cooks, I'm sure hearing the news that Owen Farrell is going to take a break from international rugby, um, just you know for you know, to preserve his mental health and just to take a, a bit of a, you know, a bit more of a relaxed time during, during the Six Nations. Um, I'm sure you had a reaction to that. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, I mean, we know that he cops his fair share of abuse on, on social media. And I think obviously, I think probably, uh, I mean, he, he, had a, he, he always gets it rough of all the England fans, all the England players, so... Um, for him to, to to decide, listen, maybe it's time for him to take a to take a break, take a step away. Um, it was, a, it was surprising, but also probably understandable. You know, I mean, the, the burden he carries, and um, you know, with this is his own Ferrellstone account, and uh, and I do hope that the break does him does him good. Uh, breaks. I mean, listen, if it's if it's a mental health thing, you've got to take it seriously. So I think if the Oak says he's feeling mentally burnt out, and and is then you I mean you already seen what's referees retiring, so. I do hope that he does come back better and that uh, you're comfort and firing. But I must say, for an England point of view, I think it's um, I think for them, it's at least it can be a glimpse into the future, especially at ten. Keep maybe keep George Ford there. Still, I mean, they they, they had own Farrell, they had own Farrell um out in the World Cup when he was in the middle of um tackling school. So, so for them, at least of this, they know it's like not to have own Farrell on the team. So I think for England. It, it, it'll probably continue as normal, but um, I, I just really hope that Faz does get better soon, and then um, yeah, hopefully we'll. I hope I hope that he's on a plane to South Africa to play against the Bulls this weekend. I think it'll be great for South oh. African fans to see him playing here, and um, I think that's why we in the Champions Cup to have teams like Saracens here. So I hope that he does um, that, he, that we do see him featuring here in Pretoria. Yeah, Sean, I think it's with a player like Owen Farrell. I mean, he's. Kind of the same as Michael Hooper, who also took a, a bit of a break last year, if you, if you remember. Um, Mike, oh, sorry, Owen Farrell's been playing test rugby and top-level rugby nonstop for about 10, 12 years, since he was like 19, 20. So it's almost inevitable that he's going to have this sort of like stop. And it's, yeah, maybe a good thing that he does have a bit of a break. And I mean, he's still available for Saracens, but... Yeah, just the break of not, you know, being the international spotlight. I'm sure it'll do him a, a world of good. But yeah, I'm I would I would have loved for that England side to pretty much pick up where they left off in the World Cup and see if they can build some momentum. Yeah. You know, I also don't think like let's be honest here, it's not just the fact that he's been playing so much and the pressure of that. It's got a lot to do with the online abuse and it's got a lot to do with all that other shitty part of rugby that no one really wants to talk about and um it's like you know it sucks it sucks that that someone has to do that to stop doing it because like he's got to do it for his family and we've seen it i mean craig Joubert, we've seen it um um corbis Reinach during the world cup it's like the abuse from the fans and all that like everyone thinks it's all Fair and well, it's open game because they're professional athletes and they just do it for shits and giggles. But like, it's quite serious, you know. So, I think you know everyone. Like, I mean, how many times you you chat to your mates? Like, I've got a mate who's just like, 
fuck the Aussies, excuse my language. Like that's just, that's just how he is. Like no matter what, who it is, no matter what, like just because they're Australian and the same as the English, like I always say in South Africa, we, we, you either, you, you hate Australia and England for some unknown reason. Um, and like, it's either you hate one more than the other, but yeah, it's, it's heavy, but this shit's got to stop. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's, he's near the top of most like underappreciated, like genuinely world-class like, uh, players that England has right now. Like that it's, yeah, I think maybe hopefully this time will also make people appreciate, you know, how good he is and, you know, the value that he does bring to um, England and Saracens as well. You know, the, the thing is that, like, so this year, I actually had no doubt in my mind that if he played this, uh, I mean, I just assumed he was going to play it when I thought it, but he will become, his next full season of the Six Nations, he will become the leading point scorer in the history of the tournament. He's currently the leading point scorer for England. He overtook Johnny Wilkinson. Like that's, that's the thing that I find so bizarre is he's so good leader and every, every teammate stands by him. So it's just the fact that people don't like his face. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's part of it. But yeah, speaking of, I think sure some of the things about abuse, you have Tom Foley that also uh, retired from, um, from he's also taking a break from from test rugby after you know all the threats and abuse that he got he was the tmo in the rugby world cup final and he says he will be stepping away from international rugby after receiving a torrent of abuse um after that after the world cup and yeah i think sean you mentioned how those things are linked when we were talking about it before yeah it's oh was he also not the tmo for the south africa france game um, I can't remember, but I'm not sure. It's just, but I think so because he's English, so I assume he usually goes with yeah. Wales. So yeah, I mean, oh, it's horrible. But on a lighter side, I did, I did actually today watched finally. I got to watch the quarterfinal again, South Africa versus France, and wow, it was hectic. Anyway, sorry, I digress. But yeah, I mean, he's just. I mean, Wayne Barnes came out and it's just like. He, Wayne Barnes, the best ref in the world, probably the best ever. Um, but he's come out and said that he's made he's made the TMO like made rugby better because of him as a TMO. And now he's stepping away. Fortunately for both Farrell and Foley's, they are going to still be involved in the Premiership, so we will get to see them. But I don't think this is the last we see of this. And uh, God forbid it gets like something gets worse, like. So hopefully we can sort this shit out um, because it's not cool. Yeah, I think we need to just look at how, I think the whole sort of ecosystem of, you know, getting, I think, protection from refs, but also getting that open communication between refs, rugby teams, fans, so that everyone is almost on the same page as to what's expected from refs, what the rules are that they're trying to manage, what they what the intentions are with, you know, how they, you know, rule and regulate the game. And then also how, um, yeah, that open line of communication. Like, and I think I'll give, you know, rugby fans a free tip. Watch other sports and see how other sports are officiated. You'd have a bit more of an appreciation of how rugby is doing. And that, yes, I mean, it's not, the, it's not the easiest game to referee. I think 
maybe doesn't help itself with how complicated it is compared to maybe most other team sports. But sure, football goes through some sort of like big controversy every week these days, especially in the Premier League. Basketball um, also has its own share of com- of complications as well. I think I think mostly that rugby is actually doing probably a pretty good job and maybe one of the better jobs out of the contact uh, team sports that at least I watch every week. So. Yeah, maybe if you expand your horizons and watch a few other sports, you'll have a good appreciation that oh, these these guys that are in the middle are doing a really good job in comparison. Cooks? Tell I agree with you. That's what I was about to say. You know, we, we've lost one of the better TMOs that we have in rugby. You watch the English Premier League, probably the richest league in the world, one of the richest leagues in the world. They cannot get the technology right. It is... Comp- Compared to what we think the troubles we face in rugby compared to us going through the VAR, they want to even ban, some of them are going to ban technology there. We just want to go back to just just, just normal referee like, like, like they did in the 1940s. Just like they have no technology at all because that's how bad it's become. But my issue is, like for example, the, I mean, this whole stems from the Kiwis obviously say, feeling that they got robbed by the TMO. Like, I don't understand it because this starts from, it's the guys like Steve Hansen coming out and the breakdown crew saying, no, this trial shouldn't have, this trial shouldn't have happened. The, the, like the trial should have been given, even though even though those are blatant, even though those are knock on, like those are infringements, so they couldn't be given a trial. So the things that they're fighting for, arguably, are the, the team made the right calls, but because someone like Steve Hansen is calling them out. So what happens? Someone goes on Twitter, probably takes a fake account and starts bashing the TMO. And now, for example, bashing the TMO, and now getting death threats. It's 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 ridiculous how. This is where it's gotten. And for me, it's, it stems from the people who are in the higher-ups. If someone like Steve Hansen is going out, calling out TMOs, when they get calls right, like, that's the worst part. It's not like he had, it's not like he, was, he, had, like, he had a nightmare. He got, he got the calls right, the ones that had to be made. Got back and said, guys, there's an infringement. So now, if those guys are getting it wrong, for, now fans have got license going, well, Steve Hansen says it must be right. So then Steve Hansen says, so... Clearly, this all doesn't know what he's doing. And, I mean, Paul Williams on Twitter said it nicely. We might lose referees. Rugby's, rugby's getting a point to it. I mean, England, for example, it was, they, I mean, they've had clubs I mean, being closed doors recently. Now, there's, like, players like Oren Farrell are taking, are, are taking breaks for their mental health. Wayne Barnes, the best referee in the world, is just retired. And, he, and he's got his fair share of death threats as well. And now it's like, now you're losing one of the best TMOs you have. So it's like, what's like? At what point is at what point do you stop? Because you might be running out of referees, and if you have no referees to refer the game, then we have no game. So, listen. I mean, I think rugby. Yes, the laws. It, it's it's a tricky game to referee, and I do think the beauty of it is the engagement with, with. We all have our fair share of digs at referees, which is fair. But I always say there has to be a line. There has to be a line where you don't cross. You can disagree with the call without giving someone a death threat. You can. Disagree with the referee's decision without having to go on, on Twitter, threaten his family, or say something personal. It's the same thing I want to say with players as well, with social media. So we, we're allowed to say a player is not playing well without taking it personal. Without, that's, that's, my, that's my thing, and that's what's, what's going to happen is we're going to have players not want to be on social media. Then we have no content, which is, which is we're already struggling to have content already. Now I want players to be off social media Referees not to be on social media. Some refs are petrified to go on social media. I know referees locally, they will never have social media. They'll be like, there's no way I'm putting myself through that and my family through that, which is 
I think it's great. To, I think, for example, with Wayne Bonds and his wife, it's great to see them on Twitter, the interaction, the, the photos of Wayne Bonds posted with the English referees and seeing the, seeing the chaos among the referees. They are as big as part of rugby as the players. So it's, we can't afford to lose them. I mean, I, and I'm saying that, you know me, I, the Eastern Cape referees are thrilled that I'm, that I'm no longer on the side of rugby field because we had a few, a, a few, <laughs> a few shares, shares of us. But again, I know how important, how important they are to the game, but I'll never take digs at them personally. Just, you know, where they, where they ref, maybe I don't agree with it, but that's the game. Someone might not like the way I, someone might not might not like the way I talk about the dragons, which is fine. But don't go don't go against me personally. Like, I just think there has to be a line, and before we've got to find the line before we start losing players who want us to take a step away from social media. Then we have no content and just consider them as human beings. Or or now might lose actually very good referees stepping away. You know, there's such a fine balance because you know you mentioned like. Um, Wayne Barnes and his wife, I think, I think her name is Polly, on social, like there's good banter there. But one of the things was, you know, Wayne Barnes walking, walking, I think it was to Twickenham for his 100th test match, like, like that sort of stuff, walking with his kids. The thing is about social media is you can also, they can become more human to you. And so we need it. We need the players doing more human things, like having a bad day or whatever, because then it's a little bit more relatable for us, but then when we have them on, then we want to shit kick them to death, you know? So it's, uh, it's really tough. And the other thing, like, I just wish we could balance it out somehow because whenever anyone bitches and moans, it's when they lose. How about like we get the referee, sorry, we get the captains and the coaches and the players to commend the officials on decisions that they got right, even though they lost. Like that would also change things. The whole thing, like everything comes out like, oh, that shouldn't have been a penalty. And as you say, Cook's like, everyone's focusing on the fact that Steve Hansen and, and, and the guys at um, the breakdown were focusing on the end situation from something that happened incorrectly, but totally discounting the fact that it was never going to stand anyway. So they've like got the ratings and upped it and just created a shitstorm, just purely just for shits and giggles. The other thing, and I'm, I agree with you, Tala, you talked about like getting people more aware of, of the laws. It's technical and it's tough. But I was watching Sevens this weekend and the commentators were talking about um, a player was going to score a try. You know, there was a bit of a breakaway and they turned around and were waiting and another player kicked the ball out of a hand as she was trying to score. And the commentators are like, oh, that's no try, that's no try. But thank goodness the TMO knew what he's talking about and, you, and they awarded a penalty try because you can't kick the ball out of a player's hand when they're in the process of scoring. Now, so many people don't know that, but when the commentators don't know that, it really, like, it causes cuck. The problem is, is we can't send every commentator on a referee course either, even though it would be nice. I mean, I'd love to do one because I'd like to know a hell of a lot more, but it's challenging, but we've got to fix it. You know, I always say with like laws and like fans, especially when I watch games with my mates and whenever a 50-50 call or, well, it's a 50-50 or, or well, it goes against the box, so it's 100% wrong. You know you, you know how us box fans can mm. get. And I'll say to my mates all, every time, like, I'll be like, no, it's a penalty against us. They'll be like, no, it's not. I'm like, if that, if, if the same infringement happened, sort of was blown, was, was blown the opposite side, what would you say? Or like, yeah, no, it says a penalty. So I'm like, guys, 
the laws are very tricky. So, but we need to get to a point where we, even as fans in general, where you got to accept sometimes you get caught. Because there are sometimes you watch games, you go like, oh, geez, man, we, we got away with some things here. But you'll take it. And that's how the nature of the game is. Every team gets away with 50-50 things. It's never going it's, it's to be perfect. But, I mean, you know, I think I saw, I can't remember, I saw on Twitter where, I mean, it's a game where the refs, I can't remember what you said. It's like it's a game where the refs get 95% things right. But it's the 5% people focus on, the one they get wrong. And it's, um, and that's a 5%. And, and it's a hard job because, yeah, obviously, sometimes a 5% can be a, 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 a call. You, you get blatant mistakes. And the refs know that. There's blatant mistakes that happen, but which, is, which is happens, and the, and the refs acknowledge it. But there's certain 50-50 calls, certain refs blow the breakdown a certain way. But like the one with the TMO, the TMO, the Steve Hansen thing is, he made the right calls each time. They're still bitching and moaning about the Sam Kane thing. Just fix the tackle problem that you've had since the last four, since you started playing Super Rugby on your own. But now, because you want to fix it then, now on the world's biggest stage, it comes back to bite you. But no, don't blame Sam Kane or, or blame the system or blame the way you guys officiate laws. No, blame the poor TMO. No, as a result of that, now you've lost a great TMO. Like you know, was lost a great TMO. And then when, when the standard drops, you're going to go, wow, where's all the great TMOs? Oh, no, you've, you've, you've chased them out the game through death threats and things like that. So that's, that's, that's my concern. Because now we're chasing the great ones away, now we're going to, now, like, now we might struggle now because <laughs> we're stuck with the riffraff and then good luck to see what happens now come, come June next year. The riffraff. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, can't wait. The riffraffs, all the referees are in the URC. Uh, uh, sorry, guys. Those are you. You know what, Jeez. Cooks? I think the URC nations, if, okay, if we would team up referees around the world and say who's the best or which country has the best referees, I think England's number one. I think it then is New Zealand or France number two. But I do think basically most of the URC teams are like near the bottom of the log, basically. We don't have the best crop of South African refs at the moment, if we are honest, but obviously that's just a lack of experience. We just need to have a paper to ref every single game, every single um, South African derby. So if there's one at three, shame. he refs at one at three. Gets an aeroplane, does a five o'clock game. Gets an aeroplane again, does a seven <laughs> o'clock game. So it's very simple is what he's <laughs> going to do. Yaku must stop, must leave his full-time job, whatever he does, to become a professional South African derby referee. But shame, <laughs> it is getting better. I mean, don't get me wrong, but it, it takes time, right? Which is why we have yeah. these it, it's. It I mean, is, same thing as with players. Players get better. 100%. The more they play, the more time they have, the more conditions they're exposed to. And I think that's the nice thing about maybe the URC is that someone like Andre Peradi um, from Italy, I think he's been getting a lot of, like, I think the first time he went on tour, um, I think it was in the first URC season and he was really shaky. And he's now been like, he was an assistant there at the World Cup. He's done really well. He's seen as one of the growing stars um, of refereeing. So it will get there a bit of time. But I do think we just don't have the best crop um, in South Africa, Wales, and Ireland especially, and Scotland um, right now. Yeah, so we're going to have to see. But one other thing I was going to very quickly say is that with referees going away from the game, same thing's happening to English football right now. And just multiply the abuse that you get for rugby with football by like 10 just because of the size of the game. Yeah, like there's, right, there's referees like just not coming into the system and they are really having a problem. And I think the one thing that it's almost counterproductive, but 
if you really want good referees, you better treat the ones that you have really well so that others can feel like they can be encouraged to come into the system. Um, the one final bit of news I want to discuss, um, James, because you guys have been trying to delay us talking about the Sharks. I see you. Cooks, um, Bowden Barrett has <laughs> re-signed. I see you guys. Bowden Barrett has re-signed with the, with the All Blacks. Um, he'll come back after his year in Japan, which does mean that he's going to be playing until he's, I think, 37 which in 16 years is he's still a young man. It's a massive shot. I love watching him play, so I'm quite happy about it, as long as he doesn't beat us. It's all good. Um, great shot. Like, if we're honest, who do the All Blacks have coming through at the moment? So they've lost Barrett now, and they've lost Moanga, both gone overseas. Barrett's obviously coming back. I don't know when Moanga's coming back, but it doesn't... I know he mentioned that he could stay in Japan for as long as possible. So. The All Blacks don't really have a hell of a lot. Well, they have no experience at 10 available to them, but they don't have a hell of a lot of options. So I think it's a very, very, very good move um, for them right now um, because they they are going to need it. A 10 stroke 15 of his quality, anyone can use. I just want to know, Shoki, how great was the welcoming party for Richard Mwanga where he just got to Japan. He was like, you know what? Yeah, I could retire here. I was like, <laughs> like you haven't even played a league game yet. Like, what's going on there? What, like, it must be such a vibe with his new club where he goes, you know what? Yeah, I've been here for about two weeks and uh, I can't see myself coming back to New Zealand. I'm happy to retire here. Like, Razor's yeah. back home. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm good here in Japan. Yeah, brilliant. He's, his, agent, his agent has slipped him a note. Please make this call. <laughs> because I, I reckon it was between Moanga and Bowden Barrett. But... I think Barrett was the right shot because Moanga will definitely go back. There's no way he won't play for the All Blacks again. I really don't see that happening. It was probably a little contract negotiation tactic, but agreed. That welcoming party must have been sensational. Oh, no. so. It must have been it must have been incredible. But I, I agree, Shark. I, mean, I, I tweeted it saying that um, I think it's I think it's a massive coup for New Zealand right beginning about him Barrett back. Because obviously I think you'll be on sabbatical next year, but there isn't much coming through. Yes, there are. I did, I did have a, a New Zealand fan on Twitter attack me saying there are a good few youngsters coming through from the, is it still the Maritain Cup? Um, guys coming through the Domestic Cup. But NBC. again, in the NBC, yeah, but I'm saying, but those guys are still untested. Some of them haven't played full Super Rugby season. So you can't tell me now I'm going to space an NPC campaign and then gonna throw you into a test series. Again. I think they play England in June. So, and I, I, I'm, I know Damien McKenzie, had a good run for the Chiefs at 10. He's played a few games with the Orbis at 10. I'm still not convinced as him as a, fly, a test fly-off yet in terms of just to sort of for the next four years. So I think having someone, having the safety net of a Bowden Barrett, I think is very crucial. I do think the Super Rugby campaign is going to be very, very important for, for, the, for the All Blacks in terms of trying to find a 10. I think it's open, it's open season for the young 10s, um, everyone except Fergus Blake. Um, uh, if, if if Fergus Blake is playing for the All I I I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not watching All Black games, and for the until they and only in the Peter Spring box. But um, it's open. Like I think it is. I think Sean. It's probably the worst. Oh, worst is tough. I probably the leanest stretch of tens since Carter was there, and basically it was like either Slade, Stephen Donald. I know Stephen Donald came off for a fishing boat to win the World Cup, but there was a stage it was like Carter or bust. Like if Gang Carter wasn't available, they had no other tens. Then sort of post-2011, Cruden comes through, Bottom Barrett comes through, Lima Sipawanga comes through, then Richard Mawanga comes through. So they kept having a, uh, I mean, Joshua Anish or glimpses. So they kept having a factory of 10s coming through. 
where it sort of slowed down slightly probably the, this last World Cup cycle. So it's going to be interesting now to see how they go about a 10. I think 10 is a very, very crucial position for them. And I think with Reyes, I think that's the, that's the biggest, he's probably his biggest challenge is probably trying to find another 10 outside Bottom Barrett and Damian McKenzie. But listen, he's the man for a job. But yeah, I think, it's, I think it's going to be a big Super Rugby campaign for those young 10s. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, McKenzie's there, but like Barrett covers 10 and 15 and he's a great safety net. Um, the truth is, is I can't think of anyone right now that's going to play for the All Blacks in 2024 and like win big games for them at 10. And I'm, I mean, I'm probably going to get cucked on for this, but I just, I can't. So it's a massive call, but it's also, the thing is, is it, having Barrett there and leading into the next World Cup, we are going to be blooding youngsters along the way. It's perfect you know me in balance i'm all for balance like 100%. you've got to have a bit of experience you've got to have someone there that's been there and done that had the good times and the bad times um and obviously he's just flipping ridiculously talented so great shots i well, let me shock you we saw it as yeah. sorry, sorry, we saw it as bog fans i mean we we got in a position where we were so worried about 100 being our only 10 when he got injured when we missed the world cup and then marnie stepped up and it was incredible and we loved him and he was Stepped up, brought a different dimension to the Springboks play. And then when Marnie sort of struggled a little bit, we had the safety net of Andre Pollard and we saw the end result of that. And I think the All Blacks are sort of probably looking at that blueprint saying, listen, if we get a bottom Barrett back, we're arguably getting back one of, what, our third greatest 10 or, I mean, outside of, you know, Carter, Mertens, you know. So it's not the worst sort of player to sort of fall back on as a 10 option, but... Um, but, but Sharky, before we get to your RC, I think we do have to give a big shout out to the Blitzbocker. Another win in Dubai. Yes. I think um, they had a oh, they, they had a, t- had a tough um, a tough going into it. Obviously, they missed the original World Cup qualifier. We didn't qualify directly, and eventually got into the Olympics. So I think it's amazing to see them back on the winning trail, back in Cape Town this weekend. And look, it would be awesome if they can go back to back tournament wins. M- massive, like. You know, we saw last last season there was like there were some teething issues, um, obviously with Neil Powell leaving, and but the thing is, if you ever want to see the value of experience, you have a look at how the Blitzbooks were last year versus how they were this season, uh, this last weekend. Really, just a great performance. They looked so good. Um, I I didn't watch a lot of them last year. I watched them this this weekend. Just super happy, and they seem to have it all ticking over and. Coming into Cape Town off the back of a win is is the best. But I mean, they're oh, they've equaled records for wins on certain certain venues with that. Like, I think Fiji have got the most um, with Hong Kong, and I know um, uh, the, uh, the All Blacks have got All Black Sevens have got something somewhere um, in terms of wins at a certain venue. But yeah, we're we're in the mix again, and that's all we need. A good start to the season and uh, another win this weekend, and we're we're in great shape. No, 100%. Yeah, definitely looking forward to this weekend. Tala, are you back? Have you fixed your technical issues? <laughs> testing, testing. Where's <laughs> the first game? You know that first game after preseason is a little bit wobbly, like no one's, no one's in sync yet. And this is our first game back. It's really important that we come back before the Champions Cup. The, Johnny Sexton style, you know, so we can get, get, yeah. get sharp. And Shaki Tala's like Sekulisi. He needs, he needs he needs time in the time in the saddle. He gets better. He gets better and better each each episode. So I I, I don't blame him. Tala, it's fine. 
We understand. We understand what you're doing. <laughs> Guys, I hope I hope I'm fine. Speaking of Siakulisi, I can't tell you how many times. Actually, I can. It's three times in the last month or so. So I have like this um, green, uh, like bog green Essex um, golf shirt that I got from my dad um, that does some work for SA Rugby Referees. And because my hair is a little bit up, I don't know how many times people have been like, do you know you look like Sia Khaleesi? And <laughs> it's just been like, I don't even know, like if people are teasing me. Do the white lady voice again, please. <laughs> Hey, do you know you look like Sia Khaleesi, eh? I'm so tired of that. So, I don't know. I I can't wear that t-shirt anywhere else because, yeah, I might be... I know Jared's busy. I know Jared's doing... I know Jared's busy and we obviously don't want to see him as much on the pod, but wow. To replace Jared with Sia Khaleesi, I think, Raggy Bits, this is a massive coup for us, Shoki. This is huge. And listen, Sia Khaleesi and Jonathan Dante. Yeah, I'll see you guys next week. Eh? Jonathan Dante and Sia Khaleesi join us on Rugby Bits. <laughs> but I just want to say, whatever Russing 92 um, paid to get Sia Khaleesi there, I guarantee if they could have paid him, if they had to pay him double, they would. The man is a walking rock star. He's a billboard for rugby in South Africa. He's an absolute flipping legend. Wins his first game. He's getting eased in very gently into the Russing 92 family. The nice part about it is, if you want to see how good you are at rugby and how important you are to a team, is if you play every home game for them in the top 14, then you know you're the bee's knees. If you play away games, then you know you're on the fringes and you're about to make it. Khaleesi's walked straight into the first team on home, on home soil, and uh, he was rested this past weekend when they played away. So, yeah, the man is brilliant. He's, he's, he's a flipping legend. Tala, you are a legend. Like, Walking back from the shops and talking and just loving life. So happy days. Uh, yo, I'm so happy. Yeah. Yo, how happy, awesome, days are, happy days until he plays 24 games in two in two weeks. So this is the easy. This is the easy <laughs> in process. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure Stuart Lancaster is gonna be like, oh, you want to still play for the Springboks? Let's see. And just yeah, it's, it's, this is all fine until it's it's all fine until June. June and um, come rugby championship next year. This is all fine in games now. It's still yeah. it's on the World Cup, huh? It's like, oh, World Cup, World Cup. Come, look, I, can, I, can I miss uh, the first 10 games to be rugby championship? Okay, cool. We'll see about that. Yeah. When Rassi Rasmus has to fight Bernard Laporte and his friends at France for if Siakulis can be released from the final, which is in like mid-August or whenever the top 14 final is these days, and then he misses the, the June or the July test series against Ireland. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> all fun in games, guys. You know what I was just thinking? Flipping, we're damn lucky that he didn't go to wrestling before the Lions tour. Imagine oh, no, that holding back. Imagine. Oh, def- he was definitely not playing the Lions, Lions tour. 100% not. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> he's going to play against Bordeaux and, uh, and, and Lyon. So, I mean, yes, <laughs> like, they're like, Lions tour, what history? Who cares? We're playing Bordeaux on Saturday. Like, can you please be, can you please shape up? <laughs> Yeah, um, the day's coming when French teams treat Springboks like they do the Fijians and just be like, oh, you want to play for your national team? Okay, well, that's the end of your contract. But guys, you have tried to do all these delaying tricks long enough. Let us discuss Bulls 44, Sharks 10. No more running away from it. The first game of the weekend was Munster versus Glasgow. <laughs> and Munster won 41. <laughs> do, you want, do you have a 10-minute summary for that game, Sean? Glasgow, yeah, Glasgow made a 
pretty decent comeback, but Munster put them to <laughs> to bed. Ahern at blindside flank, watch out for him. He's going to be a beast. Hey, good, hey? Yeah. And then Bulls beat the Sharks 44-10, but then after that, Cardiff played Scarlet. So that was a flipping <laughs> massive Welsh derby. Huge. <laughs> Cooks, do you have um, 20 minutes on, Car- on Scarlet's winning at, in Cardiff? Yeah, it was a great game. I, I, mean, I mean, like I know the Sharks, I mean, they've got Springboks and the Bulls. I mean, great game, but I mean... Scarlet's Cardiff is where it's at. I mean, I mean, I think it's South Africa's the URC. We need to stop. We need to embrace the other derbies. That's our problem. We need to embrace those games. Scarlet's Cardiff. That's the games we should be watching. Who cares about the game that happens at three o'clock at Loftus? I mean, we're busy. It's December. We have prize. I'm all for late Friday night, early Saturday game. Scarlet's Dragons. That, that's where that's where my focus is right now. Sharks. Hey. I can, I've had, I've had SA Derby's my whole life, but I've never had Scarlet's card of my whole life. So that's where my focus is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. You guys really don't want to talk about this, do you? It was a shit okay, show. It was a shit <laughs> show. Tyler, to lose, to lose like that to the Bulls, like I don't care if it's at Loftus. If you look at the teams on paper, that's, there's, not, there's not a 34-point difference. And mm. um, there's something going on there. Like, it can't be the coaches because the coaches have come and gone. Like, this was happening before Neil Powell joined. This was happening, what, when Springboks have come and gone. Like, there's quality there, but it's just not working. Like, what, what's going on? I don't know. But there's something shitty happening there. Yeah, I think let's go into some detail about it. Look, the Sharks... Um, in in the URC round so far, I mean they've not really had a great time of it. They are second from bottom on the log. Cooks's two favorite teams marooned at the bottom of the URC. Dragons last, Sharks second last. They've won one out of seven games. They've had only you know two losing bonus points in those six losses, which also shows you you know how bad it's it's been for them. Cooks just. On the Sharks, like like Sean said, I guess there's an element of we need to give John Plumtree and the coaching staff some time. And like it's a very talented coaching staff, so it's not really them. The team, at least on paper, looks really talented. So it surely isn't them as well, especially now when you add back the spring box. But things aren't really adding up and things aren't really it hasn't there hasn't been too much of an improvement from from what was happening last year. I mean, the only thing that it looks like is that wants to add some pace to the game but it's not really working at the moment and I don't even know where you start like it's one of those things where there's many holes or your car's just been in a crash and you don't know which part to fix first before you you get the other part sorted so Cooks what's your what's your analysis on how the on where the sharks are right now uh, uh, if, uh, what Plum said at, at the end of the game was was very fitting when he said that I think the Dragons win Two weeks ago, sort of masked a few of the areas and put a put a in, I mean, put a plaster in sort of things. And I think the Bulls kind of showed where the Sharks actually are. I think the first twenty minutes of the game, it seemed fairly even. The Sharks looked very, very threatening, and it looked like the game was very, very balanced. And I think what the Bulls did, you could tell which side is the more, sort of is 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 is, is the is, is a more put together side, the side that spent more time together. And I think with the Bulls, you can see that. Yes, the Bulls. I thought the Bulls have signed a lot better. I think the, the guys that have come in have been very good and, and, and key signings. That, and I think the Sharks, I think that it's, it's finding time for 
the new signings that came, some some came mid-season, the France offenders, Ron Jans, Ferencberg, and guys like that. Um, and guys like that, they still need time to sort of gel with the sort of the Springboks and, and um, obviously a new coaching staff. I do think they do need time. I think that's all you can do. I, I don't think this is going to be a one-season turnaround project. I think obviously... You can tell now the way that you, you can see the way the Sharks want to play, which is something we couldn't say a year ago during this term. So you can see they want to, they want to throw the ball around a lot more. And I, and I do think that, you know, the Sharks in that game on Saturday is that, that 20 minutes before halftime hurt them because they were in the game in the first 20 and you're thinking, oh, geez, a few more chances here and there, one, one or two mistakes here and there. And the Bulls were the better side. They, just, they were just more clinical and then and sort of put the Sharks away in that, first, in that last 20 minutes. And then once it was 29-5 by 3-9-10, that more tried the end, it was game over. So I think, I think that's the teething problems the Sharks are going through. They're just conceding at the wrong times. Um, happened against Connacht as well. Conceding tries at the wrong times. Silly mistakes at the wrong times. Good for... They, they'll be good for 10 phases, but they didn't make a mistake on the 11th phase. It's all those small errors that are hurting them. And I, and I do think that it is frustrating because the, of the players that they have and I think, um, and, and the caliber that they have, but there are holes there that need to be sort of, sort of fixed. And the problem is you, you almost don't know where to start. You don't, you don't know where to start because you fix one hole, you, 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 sort the, you sort the scrum out and then, you know, there's an issue in the back and then you sort, and then you sort um, the midfield out and then now, now the 10s aren't playing as well. And I, I just thought... I think that was a big one. And also, I think decision-making in the weekend. I mean, there was a second, there's a time when the Sharks went for another long-range penalty. And I'm thinking, guys, at 79, like, can you just, within 70, can you just go for the corner? You have the momentum, the pack's going well, just go for the corner. Yet, again, we go for two long-range penalties, miss it, the Bulls come back, go down, score two tries. So it's like, those are the things that hurt the Sharks. Their mistakes are just being quantified at the moment. But then you, come, then you go against a really, really good side who saw a sniff and they just just absolutely ran away with it you you have absolutely nailed it so the way the sharks played in the first 20 minutes are the way the talent the sharks have but then what happened afterwards is is just shows how mentally weak or how not mentally weak that sounds horrendous and um, how they are struggling they are struggling to believe in themselves and stuff like that if you look at the Springboks and when they land up in trouble, like they believe in their game plan. The All Blacks are the same. Ireland are the same. They will just stick to their game plan and go and go because they trust the process. But you've got to win to trust the process. And the Sharks, I mean, with respect, like we beat the Dragons. Like we haven't looked, the Sharks haven't looked good to win anything. And it showed. And Jake White, like everyone took the shit out of him when he came on and he was signing so many players. He knows what European rugby is all about, especially when you're going to be playing in the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup. And he's putting guys together. They're, they're, they've never looked horrendous, but they haven't really performed at their potential, where the Sharks have really looked shit. Like, that's the thing. They've really, really looked shit. They've had, like last year when the Springboks came back and there was big games, they, they pitched up and they did well, but they, they lost... They lost with respect. Where now they're not. So they it's they're struggling for a little bit of leadership somewhere, and it normally comes with the Springboks. But now, I mean, we said it last year. the The fact that the Sharks are in the Challenge Cup is a blessing in disguise. But now, looking at it, like I'm like, how the hell? Like we've really got to 
sort something out. We've got to use this opportunity. We, the Sharks have to go far in the Challenge Cup to salvage their season because I, I don't see them winning, winning the URC. They, they could put in a shot. They could probably lose the URC for someone else, like knock them out of the playoffs or something like that. But I don't think they have what it takes to go all the way right now, just purely by, by what I've seen. The Challenge Cup, however, is a different story. The Challenge Cup, historically, everyone goes hard in the beginning. But you'll see sides that if they're not looking good in the Challenge Cup, they, they won't stay focused on it. They'll stay focused on domestic competition. So, you know, and, and then you'll see how it goes. And the Sharks probably need to focus on the Challenge Cup this season and they need to pull it out the hat. Like, I've uh, all the faith in John Plumtree. I really rate him. Um, it's time to start coming together now, though. I think, sure, look, there's something there. It's not like it's not dead and buried. Yes, obviously, the start wasn't ideal. Um, it's, like, I've always said the URC, and I tell people, it's, it's tough to go on tour. It's tough for, for those guys to come down here, and it's tough for us to go up there. It's just, it's, it's, it's a tough way to start your campaign. It's four games away from Amir. Yeah. So, I mean, you should never lose to Zebra, and obviously the, the Connacht lost at home. Th those are the ones, probably the, frustra the big frustrating ones for the Sharks. But um, I, I do think the biggest thing for them now is, is just getting a string of wins together. I think the, the more wins to come, the more the thing. It's like, you know, it is Sean, bro. Like, it, it's, it's so hard to justify a new plan and a new structure when you're not winning. So it, does, it doesn't look as good. It, doesn't, it looks a lot, a lot more messy, a lot more. Like it, a lot more disjointed. You look at the Stormers, for example. The Stormers were played five, one, two, lost three, but no one's panicked about them because they've been winning. Take that back two, two seasons ago, it'd be panic stations before they went on this incredible run at Edisha said, we'd be panic stations. But what winning does, it gives you that extra confidence. Like when the Stormers go back from tour, they'll be the first ones to say, man, that, that tour wasn't the way we expected it to go. We should have probably gotten maybe one or two more wins. But now, the faith is still there because they know how good they are at home. And that's the, the luxury that Storms have brought through winning. I think that's what the Sharks need to get back to, is stringing together wins. Because that first 20 minutes, I said that I was like, oh, geez, the Sharks are up for this. Oh, there's something there. The rugby we're playing, you can see it. But the problem is that little dip, a little dip where we made a few mistakes, the Bulls punished the Sharks and punished them properly, which is, I mean, yes, Tala, we're going to praise the Bulls now. It shows where the Bulls are. And yes, last season they had a stumble, but I think Jake, Jack made a great point in saying that he's finally added the right amount of depth. Last season, he played his players a little bit too much, and now he's got the right amount of depth in. Didn't make, you know, obviously, you got the Volko Lowe's in and the Akafana Mavra, but small little signings like a Seb Declare comes in, a Devin Williams comes in, Sergio Peterson comes back. Yeah, you add Vili. But those other guys, they're adding to how ready. I mean, then Cameron Hanukkah comes from out of the blue and is basically someone's got to get his Springbok blazer fitted before Wayne Gatlin gets tries to steal him, but, but you add in there where the Sharks is, they still need a whole lot more. They're still making those big wholesale changes and they, they're trying to change so much big name centers, big name props, big name locks. They're trying, to, they're trying to change everything and unfortunately, it's one of those things where sometimes it has to get a little bit worse before it gets better. Yeah, the Sharks remind me so much of the first Man City wave. So, before they became really good when they bought like Robinho and Joe and like, like they just went on big money, but they didn't really build a structure around the team. And the problem there is 
you what the Stormers, for example, did well is that they had a sort of a working game plan, and then the Springboks just add a bit of you know pizzazz to it. So they've the the Stormers have played Sasham Gomezulu at twelve for I think five of the last six games, and Sasha in many ways is very similar to Damien Willemser right now. So when Damien Willemser comes into the team and he's back from Springbok duty and he plays at 12, it's pretty much a similar role, but obviously Damien adds, you know, another level to that. Is, for example, so Marcuzona Mapimpi comes into the team, is he in any way similar to Werner Koch, who he effectively replaces? I wouldn't say so. When Lucanio Am comes on the, onto the team for Ron Janssen van Rensburg and or Franz Rofenter, is he similar to that? No. Ibanez Beth, obviously, the Sharks have really struggled with locks um, the last few years. So Ibanez Beth is a way different lock to what, what's coming in there. So I think what could have been done or should have been done a little bit better by Plum and the team is to try to build that structure without the Springboks. So when the Springboks come back, they're adding to it instead of it's still looking a bit confused. So I think that's the first thing that they need to fix. And Sean, I think you're right that the champ and the challenge cup has to be used now, not necessarily for Eben to have a break because they're going, actually don't even know which group they're in. I should check that. But like it's it shouldn't be a break or full break for the spring box. I think it should be, you know, the game in Powell, for example, this week or against Powell this weekend in Durban. The Springboks should maybe be on the bench, but it should be, okay, we need to actually get our structure going. We need to actually fix how we play. We need to work out our game plan and get some confidence in it. The second thing I just want to point out is, geez, the defense looks really bad. Oh my goodness. I mean, the defensive stats from this game is that they, they out of the 66 tackles they attempted, they missed 21 of them. So they had a tackle success percentage of 68%. And if you look at all the tries, they really targeted the Sharks midfield and were able to just target the Sharks midfield, suck in Mapimpi and, and, and um, Yankee. It actually looked like the Springboks in 2018 when the, the wings, actually, ironically, the same wings were trying to learn the rush defense or the Ninob rush defense. And it was so easy just to suck them in. And then there's a lot of space to play, out, play without wide. And the Bulls over and over again, um, just targeted that and had a lot of fun. Stedman Hans thought he was playing sevens, basically, with the amount of space he had. Kanan Moody couldn't have asked for a better reintroduction and um, could you answer to the team. Um, they really just had a, a chance to ball. I mean, that try that I think Akka van scored near the end, where David Krill just kicks the ball ahead and Akka's the first one to catch it. It's just like, where's the structure of the defense? It's just fallen to pieces. So yeah, I don't know what the quick fixes are for the Sharks. I think it starts with them. They they almost have to go in the next few weeks. We're going to focus on set pieces and sort that out. Like we don't have Koch, we don't have Bongi. We're going to focus on set pieces and get Ox, Kuni, and pick one of the young hookers, Mbata or uh, Uesta or whoever. And you are going to be fixing our scrum and our lineup. Or we're going to fix the fence. We're going to just work on just being a much better defense and being aggressive, have high line speed and all that sort of stuff. They just need to try to fix one thing. And I think you're right, Sean, that there is stuff that looks better, but, and it looks like there is more of a game plan than there was in the last two years, but it's still, there's still a long way to go. So I guess there has to be some patience from Sharks fans, but yeah, I think the, the, the challenge cup needs to be a, is a big opportunity now for, 
um, plumb to really get the structures going, number one. And number two, I think apart from um, Pepsi Butelezi, maybe there's arguably a few others. I'm not sure which of the Sharks non-box are putting up their hands right now. I mean, I'm looking through the team. There's a lot that I'm just like, uh, are you really on form? Are you really playing well? Uh, Notches, obviously, he's really consistent. He plays well. I don't know if Cohen Bosch is having the best time. Obviously, he's a big confidence player. I'm not so sure about Franchot Fenter at 12. I think Ronnie Ansoff and Rensburg should be playing at 12. Fassi's been good in attack, but doesn't look like the defense is really improving. There's just not a locking partner for Evan Etzebeth right now. Like, there's just... There's still those holes, and it doesn't look like the, there's players that are just putting up their hands to go, look, build on me. Like, you know, we've seen with, you know, how the, how the Stormers have gone. Like, I think the Sharks can look to their Cape Town cousins and just go, look, we need to just build a way of playing. And just like you guys said, just build that confidence that whatever, whatever happens, we're going to continue with this way of playing up until the results turn around. Because, yeah, if they don't, like, Results like this are going to be happening more often. Um, uh, Sean, just quickly, any positives for the Sharks? Any little bright lights that they can maybe build upon? Maybe players playing well or something that they, they're doing well as a team? The only thing for me is it, it, can, it has to get better. They've, they've got the personnel to actually make something with this squad. That's the bright light for me. Uh, uh, something I wanted to mention when you were talking about the loose trio, I'm not convinced that they are balancing that loose trio. It seems it doesn't seem all. right. Yeah, it's and and they're they. You're right in that they need to go back to the basics. They they probably need to just play boring rugby just to get those get those positive reinforcements there. Like cool, we've got our loose trio right. Like they're doing the job. They're sorting this out. They've eased off the the pace here, they've sorted this out. And then you take that, you know, you take the win, you take this and you build slowly, like aggregation of marginal gains. But the Sharks, like I don't even watch them like I used to or mm, get excited about it. I, I, I'm excited about the anticipation of watching them and then it very quickly dissipates. So the good thing for the Sharks is they have the players. I don't believe that they not wanting to win that they, they players want to win like just for you as a human for your ego you want to win especially if you're a professional athlete so whatever's going on i'm hoping it gets sorted without some chaos of kicking kicking the coach out i mean they've kicked booted out a couple of coaches already so is it so bad that plumtree can't fix it or is plumtree joined in with the baddies and the rest of the guys still don't like them i don't know um, but we'll have to wait and see. But I don't like, as a South African, getting embarrassed by, by our sides, you know, and they're starting to embarrass us now. Let's talk on the other side, the Bulls. They are um, third on the URC log, five wins and two losses so far. Toured pretty well um, in Europe. I, I think all things considered, especially last year when they could barely buy a win in Europe, they, they, they played really well. and. They could have, should have, in, a, in, one, in, in at least one of the losses with the Marcel Kutsia red card. And even in this game, no Nokia, no Kutsia, and they still, you know, really blew the Sharks out of the water. Um, Cooks, you've already talked about Cameron Hanakorm, who's probably the, the find of the tournament for the non-Bok 
players so far. And I'm sure Warren Gatland is trying to move him as soon as possible to, to, the, to the Dragons. I'm sure the Dragons are trying to steal him onto the plane. Um, the Bulls, I think, just look like a, uh, like a well-balanced team again. Like, they've sorted out one of the big issues, which is prop with Volko Lowe, I think, bringing some experience there. The loose chair looks absolutely scary, and that is without Marcel Kutzia um, playing at six uh, right now. Wilson looks like he plays really well. I mean, I think he's, I mean, especially at Loftus, there isn't really too many better than than Ron Wilson running your backline. And then, you know, having Moody, Orenza, LaRue, even Stedman, Hans, and David Creel, like all of those five are good playmakers and they can, you know, get the opportunities of their own as well. They really had a lot of fun on, on Saturday and were pretty much dancing around the Sharks. Um, what, I'll start with you, Cooks, what, do you think the Bulls are making that step up to be in that Stormers, Munster, Leinster level? Or is there still a few things they need to just get right before they get to that top tier um, of the URC? I think talent-wise, they definitely can get up there with the Stormers, Munster, Leinster, top tier. I think, I mean, talent has never been an issue for them. I think last year, is I think you know, Jake is running players into the ground. And, I think, and, and, then, and then sort of, obviously, they just sort of fall flat in the running in the tournament. But I think, I think the Bulls like what the opposite of what the, the opposite was having the Sharks is their non-Springboks have stepped up massively. Stedman Hans has arguably been the 13 of the tournament so far. He's been incredible. He stepped up. David Creel, I mean, I know Tyler, you love his brother Richard Creel, but David Creel at 12 has been an absolute revelation as well. You look at the Cameron Hanukoms and someone that's been very, very good and sort of gone under the radar is um is um Stevie G or Carol Stienkam. He's been incredible. You can you can see the time he spent with the box and how much the, the confidence that it's given him. I thought he's had a great start to the season and and then obviously now you now the Springboks come back in the I mean Kenan Moody aren't so shame they gave uh, poor directs uh, Mapimpi a tough time on the weekend. But you look at the quality that comes in the Villaru comes in and then and, and and I just think the Bulls' the signings has been good. I thought Sebastian de Clerc has been phenomenal since he's come on. Sergio Sergio Pearson has come come back and he has, looks like he hasn't lost a step. So. They've added good depth, and, and they're doing that without guys like, there's no Marcel Kutsia, there's no Ruan Nokia who, who, who probably played about 64 rugby games in the, last, in the last year. Now they're in a position where they can race players, in a position where they've got a squad, their depth is big enough for them to compete. So I think, and, and, and also they're playing very good rugby, but the biggest thing for the Bulls is going to be injuries. I think that's the, with, with Horson and the 10 channel, they tend to do the, that's for me the warrior. Obviously you have Jakob van der Waltz who's come back as well to sort of try and negate that but um i do think Tyler, this is the year they can compete i mean i did love i mean this is um the most jake jake white um quotes i've taken out in a long time i think i'm making up for last year but i mean he did mention at the end of the season last year and he said um when there was the storm is that they won't be as bad as they were last season he's made mistakes and he learned from them saying we i needed to add more players i needed to add more and it's i think the bulls were in a situation where yes they added the volcolos and the volaris but the the guys like the other guys have signed, guys from the Pumas, giving guys giving guys a chance, and now Cameron Hanukon come, comes in. I mean, that's fantastic, and I'm so get, also so happy to see Eric Lowe back at the number seven jersey. I still think Blindside flanks his best position, and he's been absolutely he was he was amazing again on the weekend. So I do think they can definitely compete, and um, they're going to be. And, and now they've got this obviously based in South Africa now for the for, for the next few months. I mean, besides obviously the the Champions Cup, but I mean, URC was uh, they'll be home for a bit, we'll into Africa for a bit. 
that game against the Stormers on the 23rd is going to be an absolute cracker because obviously the Bulls haven't been the Stormers in a while. Stormers, it's going to be, the, ironically, that's, that'll be the Stormers. For, I mean, their second game at DHL, I mean, and their first URC game back at home. They've played, they've played so many games this year and they've actually never played at the DHL Stadium. Those poor guys can't wait to get back there. So I think that's going to be the, the, the big litmus test for the Bulls. If Can they beat the Stormers at the DHL Stadium in, on the 23rd of December? And Sean, um, Bulls versus Saracens on Saturday looks like it's going to be a five-course extraordinary meal. I can't wait. Um, sure. It's going to be cracker. And the best part about it is, is the Bulls, like the Bulls are cooking and are in form. Saracens have got European and English pedigree. They, they are there to win. They're not going to be sending um, a shitty side. I, I don't think they will. It's, it's going to be a cracker. Probably up there with one of the one of the the, the games of the weekend with the La Rochelle Leinster as well. Yeah. yeah, we have a lot to look forward to there. Um, let's go to the next game for this for the South African teams, which is the Lions beating Cooks's old friends, the Dragons, forty nine to twenty four. I mean, I mean to maybe add a bit of pain to the Dragons. I mean, the Lions only needed fourteen men in order to score six tries against the Dragons on on Saturday with um, the lock uh, Ron Dalport. Sorry, yeah, it was a Ron Dalport. Yeah, sorry, Ruben Skuman getting the red card quite early on. And uh, but it didn't really stop the Lions too much. And that and them on the counterattack with Kion Horn and Richard Creel and I mean Ego van Vake even showed some wheels in, in the one try on Saturday. They look really dangerous. I mean, the Lions are doing pretty much what the Lions do most seasons and are showing some signs of promise. Um, if not the consistency that they need. But look, they'll be happy with three wins out of seven, especially after this is post their tour as well. Sean, I mean, there's so many things to... There's there's a lot of nice things about the Lions right now. There's a lot of young players that are putting up their hands from the Kabaganyes at at prop to the Ron Fenters at, at flank. <laughs> Sanel Noamba being, you know, the South African version of Morgan Parra. I mean, this... It keeps making me smile and laugh just seeing one, but just owning it at Flyhoff. Yeah. The Lions, like, they're being largely ignored by, by non-Lions fans. Um, sorry, Ringo. They, you know, you're kind of watching them. You're just expecting them to just be, like, they've, with respect to the cheaters, they've taken that, like, cheaters mantle where it's like the leftovers and, and you know, they do what they do. So n- no one's really paying attention to them. but. They're pulling it together. Cash has done, he's, he's put his side, like they're starting to be competitive. Where, like if you play them in South Africa, like the Sharks will be worried. I'm, I'm pretty sure the Stormers will be slightly worried as well when they play them. So they're, they're starting to put their hand up and a bunch of players are, like they're playing better than they are individually as a team. Like it's, it's incredible to watch. So so much to happen still. Um, they're going to, like having said all that, they're probably still going to finish like mid-table. I don't know. Do you reckon they're going to be able to challenge for playoff spots? I, I don't think so. That's the weird thing about it. They've, they've got the guys. They're talented. They're doing it. They're moving it around. Nahamba starting at 10, I never really saw happening. I'm all for him starting at 9 and moving to 10. But, you know, they're, they're struggling a little bit there. And um, they need to kind of, kind of waiting for Jordan Hendrickson to, to come back into form. And I think that's a big thing for them when he comes back into form, 
there there could be quite a quite a bit of trouble for the opposition. I think the best news for the Lions is the number of players they've retained until for, for, for the next few years. I think that was a massive thing for them, so keeping all their best players. We, we know obviously, they, I mean, they've they've been almost a feeder the feeder team for all the other unions. So the the fact they've been able to keep, they keep their core to get better, I think it, it, it's it's a job work because there are a lot of youngsters. So it it, it was never going to be a a two-year turnaround. It was going to take time, but they are a lot more competitive and they are playing very good rugby. You know, listen, I know they were playing against the Dragons, but still, to be 40 men down and still put 40 points on, I mean, they were arguing about whether to go to get a penalty to, to try to get the 50, to try, to try get the 50, but and that's a good place to be. And I think the Lions are just putting their hands up. I think for them, Tyler, to make that playoff push, they've got to tour well. They need a tour where they can, you know, at least come back with two wins. And then obviously then clean up here at home. I think that's the that's the key thing of the URC is how well you do on tour. I think um, if you, if you're coming on with uh, if you're coming on with two out of four wins, that that that's a good result for them. But um, to come, I mean, come, I think it's top eight. I think I mean come in eighth place, try sneaking, because you know I think that I think the from from I was probably say from the top four, from five to eight, I mean five to ten is it's it, 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 it's a dogfight there. I think the Lions can. The Lions can sort of string wins together and get there. I think obviously, I think for them, Chaden Hendricks, obviously, I think he's 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 still they 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 tend they want to get right. But I mean, the way Nahamba's going now, I mean, it's it's just beautiful to watch. You know, a guy who could not get the guy who would struggle the shocks. We saw the potential, and now we can see him expressing himself. I mean, geez, can they just sense? Can the Bulls let Simulani just go down the road and just go back to the Lions? I think that's. Someone else would also thrive in that environment and in, in, in what they're building there. So, I just hope now that the Lions, the more wins they get, the less and less they have to feed their players hot dogs when they go on tour. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I just got my hand up in time. I want to talk about the Similani issue because oh, it's so like, what is it? Is it the Bulls or Jake White's fault? Is it? Similani's fault. Like, what what is happening there? It's we would have expected to see more of him. I mean, he played 15 last year. It's so it's such a tough one. Like, you really don't know unless you inside and you understand what's happening. But it's it's a tough one. I personally believe that he's that he's a like he's a URC starter kind of a player. I I firmly believe that. But I wonder what is going on. Like, what happened? that moved him away from 13, put him on the wing or put him at 15 or put him on the bench or just got him ejected from the squad. Like, oh, it's, it's wild. I, it's one of the things that I don't understand about sport is, I mean, obviously we know some guys like step, step up into it and, and, and just don't like it or don't enjoy it. Some guys take a while to get, to get in the groove. Um, and, you know, it's, it's weird. But we're all kind of wanting him to be springbok ready last year already and he's just not getting any look-ins yeah i don't know like i mean there was a time where he was looking at um he was i think almost days away from going to cape town and that didn't work out um and if you went to the stormers i think that was just you know as dobber came in and imagine adding similani to you know all the attacking talents that um, the stormers had and have like that would have been amazing. I, I don't know. It just maybe it's maybe yeah. There's maybe something that we obviously don't know. But yeah, it seemed like 
Jake wasn't too convinced about him being a 13. Obviously, we know that he's not the best defender in the world, but I think that's probably more because <laughs> there wasn't really anyone to learn from at the Lions up until Jacques Ferry came, I think, the season after he left. Um, and tried to play him in other positions. That hasn't really worked out. I mean, yeah, I'm sure people in the know will know what stories or whatever are behind it. But yeah, it's a shame. It's a damn shame because it's such a good talent. And, you know, there is a, not I wouldn't say a gap. I mean, obviously, Creole and Am themselves are, I think they're, both of them aren't even 30 yet. And you have the Ron Nouns, you have Henke van Vegas more coming through. But as Stedman Hans has quick said, is one of the form players in the URC. But geez, I mean, if you got some Milani to that mix, that would be great. Um, just Sorry, back on Tala, the line. Where's, where's, where's he, where's he going to fit in? So the, it didn't look like he was going to get a look in um, at the Bulls. He's not going to play 13 at the Sharks unless, unless they get rid of a couple of guys and then he plays 13 while Lukanya um, is away. I don't, I see, I'm a little, this is probably controversial, but I don't think that he's better than, than Ruan uh, now at the Stormers. I don't think he, he will, like, he's great to attack, but the Stormers have so many attacking, dynamic attacking threats. Sometimes you need the, the null there to, to settle things down. The Cheaters, I don't know who's playing 13 for the Cheaters at the moment, probably Franz Stein, <laughs> but yeah, like that's the thing. Like, where's he gonna get? Where's he gonna go right now in South Africa and get a look in, where he will actually get some proper game time? It's so ironic because we are. If we had this conversation two years ago, it was like who's after who's after um, and now it's pretty much every all, all the RC sides have a very good or a inform option there, and now it's okay. Where does he go? So it's. Yeah, it is. It is sad in that respect. And yeah, and Van Dijk at the yeah. Lions. Sorry, before Ringo shouts at me. Van Dijk of course, at the Lions. Yeah, He's not going to replace Van Dijk at the Lions. So no. he's really nowhere right now in South Africa. Yeah, you just have to. Yeah, he has to almost make it work there at the Bulls and try to break through when he, if and when he does get an opportunity, and maybe Jake does rotate more like he he said he was going to do. Or yeah, he has to work something out basically. Maybe. I mean, Zebra and Benetton seem to be a place, or even the Walsh side seem to be a place where you can try to restore your fortunes as a South African player right now. So maybe that's also an option. Just on the Lions, though, just to continue that conversation. Um, yeah, like, it's a, it's a very good backline, but I think, Cooks, we, ne- we never really give... I mean, it's, it's, a play, it's a team with a lot of great players. I mean, we talk about the... The, the Chitukas and the Fenters, the Horns, the Van Vakes, the Juan Horns, Richard Creel, um, I think Cooks mentioned it a little bit. I think he's almost the low-key signing of the season. He's just been a really good Brilliant. option. That's number one, put Horn at 15, which helps a lot. And he's just, a, I mean, just like his brother, they just seem to be really talented rugby players. You can play them anywhere. They'll make a good impact. Um, but the man in the middle that I, I think puts it all together is Marius Lowe, who's I think just the perfect 12 <laughs> for that sort of team of, you know, you've got chaotic and just amazing talents all around you. You just need that guy that will run straight and get meters that way and make 100 tackles a game. 100%. And I'm glad I, I'm, I'm glad I got to intercept that from before Cooks took, took it away. But 
I'm all for balance. And that's exactly what I'm talking about when I was talking about the Stormers and having Null at 13. Morris Lowe is exactly that. He's he's a guy that will straighten things up. He does his job. And you you kind of you could easily not see him as high profile as the other players because he doesn't do that sort of stuff. But they can't do that stuff unless he does his stuff. So yeah, everyone's gotta have one if you're gonna have a whole bunch of wild guys around. And uh he's but since he's moved from the sharks, he's been flipping ripping up trees. So it's been incredible to watch. Yeah, and a quick shout out to PJ Boerter. I think he might be a sneaky option there for a Springbok hooker in the next year or two. I think he's just slowly putting some form together, doing the right things. He's got his set piece sorted. Like, don't be too surprised if that happens. And also just shout out from the Dragon side. <laughs> Their wings are amazing, if if nothing else. Like, Rio Dyer and Ashton Hewitt are just blitz finishers. And I mean, they... I think they're two players that would be like, we want to play in Joburg every week or we want to play in the high fault every week because they would be making like 100 meters a game and breaking 10 tackles a game and scoring like five tries a game if they were able to play here all the time. So I think let's move to the Stormers. They played another game at Donny Craven, their they supposedly new home. They beat Zebra 31 points to seven. Uh, reintroduced most of their Springboks. Dion Ferry, Marnie LeBoc, Damien Willemse came into the team. Cooks, it pretty much looks like, you know, the Stormers train of the last two years and it's it's just it's just continuing to roll right now. No, it is. And I think um first of all, I just want to shout out the Stormers because um they've taken the game to Donna Craven. They've taken the, they've taken their matches to Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium and they've gotten good crowds. And I really hope to see other franchises doing that. I think just sort of going to... <laughs> Lions. <laughs> Lions. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> just get out of Ellis Park for a chair. And it's, it's, it's great what the Stormers are doing and, and they're sort of making themselves like the people's team. I think one thing the Lions, I mean, the Stormers have gotten right is, you know, the box came back now and this weekend and Dobbo said, I mean, it wasn't a pretty game. A lot of scrums. Scrums took forever. But um, they just, they did enough to win. You could see the class and the, what the Springboks added, see getting Marnie back, getting Willemsa back. And, 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 and the crazy thing with the Stormers is you know they're going to get better and better and better. I mean, if you are a rugby fan and you, you, like, you like to go to Holland and Cape Town, the meals that's going to be prepared for you this, this December period is going to be sensational because the Stormers are going to, they, you know the brand of rugby they'll play. And, and you, you look on the weekend, you know, it, it was a tough fixture. And you think it, it is also trying to sort of, you know, just trying to get a win, trying to get a win back. It's the first, first game back from, from a tough tour. And and I think I mean Dobbo with the first one to say I think the, the the best thing they did was getting that bonus point and getting that win. I think it's one of those games where every team has that. Where the best thing about it is the fact that you won. <laughs> That's the and, and they show glimpses there and and you know the and, and the Stormers yeah and the thing is I hold them to a very high standard because they are arguably them Leinster. That's the Munster. That's the tier they're in because I mean they've been to I mean we are two our season the finals and the finals both made DHL Stadium so. I mean, I do hold them to a high standard, and 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 I do think that on the weekend they'll be the first they'll be the first group to say that this good win ticked it off. Let's let's the box are back. Let's get some 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 continuity going. I think that's the big one. But I think yeah, oh, guys, if if you're based in Cape Town or you you in Kenneth Holiday, just get down to DHL Stadium because you're going to get served some delicious meals over the last, over the next few weeks because Hudsonburg is back. Dan Duplessis hopefully should be back. 
Willem says back. I mean, they, they ran it back this weekend with the old school Marnie at 10, Willem said 12, Holland at 15. There's Ben Loder still there. Oh, geez. I mean, their backline talent is, is, is ridiculous. And also, let me give some love to the forwards. Robin van Heerden is on a box charge. He's been, he's been one, of the, one of the best signings they've made. He was incredible again in the weekend. That hockey is on a low-key box charge. I mean, to be fair, we do have, we, we do have 2,458 locks. We can play for the spring box, but we can add him to the mix because <laughs> our, our lock depth is incredible. But he's been very, very good, Robin van Heerden. And I wanted to give him a shout-out. Yeah, I, another one that I want to say is on a bog charge, going back to the backs is Leonin Zas. I think he's just, he, he has that, you know, obviously I think he just has that finishing ability that is, is obviously well known. And I think he has the power as well, just breaks tackles the whole time. Just, I mean, the try that he scored where he just ran over, I think he ran over Maurici. And I mean, that's, a, that's an Italian um, international that he just, pretty much bumped over to to go and score. Like, he has all of the things that you need from a wing. I, I wouldn't be too surprised. And I think also Rudy Page and John De Jong are trying to also make a, a push for him to 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 be in the Springbok reckoning. So, yeah, I'm very much... I, I've been on the Zas train when he had his first breakout with the Stormers and, yeah, stayed with him even though he went to the Sharks and seemed like his career was going nowhere. But, yeah, he's definitely someone that's that's playing really well at the moment. Yes, Quicks? Tell her he reminds me, like, watching him on the weekend, obviously, I mean, his ability to just shrug off defenders. And he, he makes his line breaks of, like, he never makes a line break where it's like, almost like hitting a gap. It's just like there's two defenders there and just, you just can't stop him. He, 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 looks, he looks like a bigger, near version of Mark Talia. <laughs> and then, mm. it's like, he just slips tackles with ease and you just blink and next thing you know, he's 40 meters down the field. You're like, how on earth is he 40 meters down the field? And, He's been playing very, very good rugby. And I think also it just shows the culture the Stormers have. I mean, it's, it's probably the best place to make your debut out of all the SA franchises. You come in there, the culture is set, the rugby is good. I mean, the community work is incredible. It's, it's, it's what the work Dobbo's done in the last two years. I mean, two years, I mean remember two years ago, they, were, they couldn't <laughs> buy a win at DHL Stadium. They, they, they were, were the Sharks. Yeah, geez, they couldn't, they, like, they just couldn't get things together. And now... Look at that side. I mean, the the, the number of spring box have the, the producer of the side, and then now they are a side that is they play good rugby. You want to watch them play. All the guys there, they just they're great on social media. All those things where they're becoming almost like the people's team in South Africa. And I, I mean, I'm no Stormers fan, but it's you. If they're on TV, you're gonna you're gonna watch the game. You want to see you want to see the rugby they're playing. And you know the things they've done like with Moani Labok. I mean, Demon Willemsa, um, Warikalant. I mean. So it's, you can see, I mean, Dion Fourier, I mean, like you can see the work they do. So, I, I mean, I, I, I'm so confident in them. Their record for me, it doesn't bother me because I know they're going to string together a few wins coming up now and they're only going to get better and better and better. And, um, geez, I mean, I mean, next week against La Rochelle, oh my goodness, that is going to be, oh, that is, that's one, arguably one of the games of the, of the year because I've I, I got a feeling, I don't think the, the Stormers are going to send Having just gotten back from tour, I don't see them sending the the big guns to the big guns to to Leinster this weekend. So I don't think you, I don't think you'll see a Andre versus Andre versus Marnie or Jasper Visa versus. Um... <laughs> Tell her, we saw that they probably just, they probably bash each other for the last uh, ten weeks in the World Cup. I don't think that they'll be like you know what, Jasper, I'll see you in camp, brother. I'll see you in camp. <laughs> love to, I would love to see yeah, Evan Rus against Jasper um, Visa, and also shout out to Evan Rus. I think he's. 
Loki as well, putting together another very, very strong campaign. Not as flashy as his first year. He was making those, those amazing line breaks and his game's gotten a lot tighter. And he's, he's sort playing of playing like a Springbok. Playing like a Springbok eight. And I think since, since last year, I think last year, again, in a strong season, but obviously wasn't a rated because he's not doing the, 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 what people expect to see in the first season. But I think, but each year he's sort of adapting his game, getting better and better and getting tighter and tighter. So I think, um, yeah, I thought, I thought he's also been very good as well. It's quite, the yeah. Evan Roos conversation has been a little bit of a roller coaster because of how he started. And then it's, he's kind of been there and thereabouts, but he's not plugging those Springbok eight gaps right now, which he started doing. But then his temperament and he does stupid little shit on the field every now and then, like it makes it hard sometimes. Like sometimes you can see why he's not getting a look in. But what, <laughs> shame, man. What, all this happens now. Visa is probably going to start, well, he's the, he's the starting eight at the moment. Then Ru should be in the mix. But then Cameron Hanacombe comes along and he's just dominating, dominating. Ulrich Lowe, I agree, Cooks, I think, I think blindside flanks the, the place for him. But at, at eight at the moment, like, Ruiz has got, got some work to do. He's, he's got work to do, but he's tightened his game, he's changed his game. Now, that's great. Like, the same thing as the Springboks, your foundations are your defense and all that. And then the flashy stuff comes later. If Ruiz can sort out that and do that Springbok eight job, when we need him to play in the trams, he's going to cook because that's just so natural to him. I need, I need Vince McMahon to go down to the Springbok camp to set up a triple threat match between Jasper Visa, Evan Ruiz, and Kamal Hanukum. Just you three, you, you put the puck number eight in the middle, you all sort it out. Visa, you all carry Visa it out. Wins. You <laughs> Visa wins hands down because he's got no front teeth. Just simple. He's already got the edge. <laughs> he's got like... Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, Ruiz and Hanukkah need to get some battle scars first. Visa wins, no teeth. Done. No brainer. There was a, a carry of Visa two weeks ago when he basically bulldozed like three players and he just like gained like 15 meters. That are, I, I, I don't know if there's, if there's not many better ball carrying eight, eight men than he is. So, like, when I'm bored sometimes, I just like, I just like to watch that last crumb of the World Cup final. I just watch Visa just basically. Man, just somehow not get tackled out or somehow not lose the ball it was in wild. that final scrum just because of the sheer strength of that man. But he I had think the yeah, whole scrum it, on him. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. But I mean, for the Springboks, I mean, to lose Dwayne Formil and arguably one of the greatest eights we've ever produced and one of the greatest eights, I mean, in rugby, and then you sit in a situation where you have Jasper Visa, you've got Cameron Hanukkah, you've got Evan Ruiz. That's a good place to, and I mean, you know, I'm not going to forget Quaker Smith who can. Do, be whatever he wants to be in life because that's how amazing he is. But um, it's it's our depth is it's actually scary. I, like like I feel bad for the, the, the position was probably simply like there's, there's teams like poor Toby Felatow's being dragged to play another season, bro, the broken leg just because because we're still confined in eight or and here we are we're sitting with three incredible eight mans fighting it out to be a Springbok. I mean yes, she's like and I, and I say it again, you kick a tree in South Africa, lose four, drops out. So. It just it just shows in in what a good place we're in. I mean, I, 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 that's why I'm saying this now. Rassi Rasmus would not have taken this job again if he didn't think we could win three in a row. And he sees the players coming through, and he's like, "Yeah, I can I, I can see a little three peat coming out." I mean, there's there's no way he takes this job and and does not look at what we have, or the depth that he has around him, and go like, "Yeah, I think we can actually run it back." Let's let's do a bit of a roundup of the rest of the URC just so that we can just discuss some of the other teams and storylines. Can we talk about so the Sharks again? We started mentioning some, 
You want to talk about the sharks again? You're welcome to. I think so, yes. <laughs> Stop that. So as Sean, as Sean mentioned earlier, trying to distract us, Master B Glasgow, 20, 40 points to 29. Um, Master looked like they were running away with it at some stage. So Glasgow did actually pretty well to keep it within the 11. Scholars beat Cardiff in a Welsh W 29-23. You have Ulster losing to Edinburgh, 27 points to 24. Edinburgh looking like they're making a run this year. Leicester just beat Connacht, um, 22-24. Um, Connacht fans, you know, probably hate Leinster right now. And Benetton just continuing um, their winning ways, beating Ospreys, um, 18 points to 13. Sean, I'll start with you. Which team is the biggest surprise on where they are on the log? Is it Glasgow at second? Edinburgh at fifth? Benetton at sixth? Or Zebra at 13th? <laughs> I would go... I'd probably go with Glasgow. They, they... I mean, they've been competitive before, but they, they are looking different. There's, there's something about them. They're looking strong home and away. And I don't think... Like, a surprise is maybe bad. Like, it's not a surprise that they're second. It's... It's just how they're looking at the moment. That's what I'm very impressed about. So it would have to be Glasgow for me. Cooks for you, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Benetton, or Zebra, the biggest surprise? I mean, I mean Zebra, obviously, they're flying, but I think Edinburgh as well. I mean, Sean Everett um, is doing an incredible job there. I mean, I think um, they met again some very good signings, playing very good rugby, and, uh, and um, this is the Sean Everett um, renaissance, and um, it's been great to see another South African coach doing well overseas. And, um, yeah, so... I think um, it's 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 great to see. I think for, I think for Scotland as well, having two teams competing, I think it's um it's massive for them. So yeah, I mean I mean it's all it all means it's great for them until they flip and shit the bed again the Six Nations. But I mean that's that's February's worries. But um, yeah, I mean but I mean like don't don't get me started on Gregor Townsend. But anyway, um, but I do think with Edinburgh, I just love the rugby they're playing. I think Sean Everett. I mean, listen, he left here. People sort of rid him off, um, got a one-year contract at Edinburgh, and um, he's, he's, he's done an incredible job. Probably no one saw this coming. I know Zebra is an incredible story, playing very, very good rugby as well. It just um, it was also never done and out. I mean, I, I mean, I know last year they were the best second-half team in the competition because the first half, they just gave teams like 25, 25 to 30 points head starts, and then the final score would be like 43-30, and you're like, well, it'd be nice if you guys can just put together for like, just concede ten points in the first half as opposed to as opposed to thirty. Just make this make it a good game. But I mean, um, I think your season, um, yeah, a very good place. But um, I think my surprise team at the moment has got to be Edinburgh. My shout out has to go to Benetton, though. Sorry, sorry, Tala. Yeah, no, I think I was going to say Benetton looked like they could actually stay in the top eight. I mean, look, naturally the top eight now doesn't have the Stormers and. <laughs> you would imagine that the Stormers are going to be in the top eight. So you look at the likes of, you know, Edinburgh, Bennington, Benetton, Alston, Connacht, and say, which one of you guys are going to fall out? And yeah, I don't think it's going to be Benetton. I mean, they pretty much, I mean, have most of the Italian team there. I mean, Zebra is also signed well, signed the likes of like uh, uh, Nicotera there as well. But it's a really good team and they're just playing together really well. They're getting like... You can see that the the structure is starting to come out now. So, you know, I I can't. I, I it would be a disappointment if Benetton aren't at least in the quarterfinals this season. They should be qualifying for the Champions Cup. They should be 
in the top eight, maybe even top six of the URC. I mean, they should fancy themselves against pretty much any team that isn't Munster, Leinster, and the Stormers, I think. Um, and speaking of, Sean, is there any team that you think is joining the Munster, Leinster, Stormers um, top tier? Hmm. Hmm, I don't know. I think the Bulls, I think the Bulls are going long this season. Long. In one or both. Hmm. Cooks? I think Glasgow for me. I mean, Bulls also, but I think Glasgow. Um, yeah, it's just building on the foundation they sort of set up last season. Very good at home. Um, yeah, so I think Glasgow is going to be the, um, the team that can sort of make that step up into that, um, into that next year. Cooks, the question for you, is Jacques Nidabo going to actually arrive in Dublin or not? <laughs> no, he's there, Tyler. You coach him in his debut on the weekend. He's, he's there. He's oh, back. He's, fi- he's finally, he's, he's, he's finally come to work. I missed that part. My bad. He did his own individual <laughs> trophy tour at home. Just cousins, family. <laughs> just, um, you know, just, 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 uh, just selling stories, breakfast tours, you know, just, just adding very, apparently he's just going to his breakfast on his own. Like, guys, I'm, 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 I'm here at breakfast. I'm, 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 I've got something to say. <laughs> but now he's finally, he's finally, he's, he's finally got back to work. Sure. Imagine you are starting a new job and you basically started off late because you've just been so successful in your old job. Like Jacques is living the best balanced life in the world. So I love the fact he starts on Monday. Like I don't do preseason, boys. I'm going to up on Monday. Here's my plan. You got five days to get it right. To get it right. We so good all luck. know. We all know a club rugby player like that. Every every club rugby team has <laughs> ten of those players that do not do preseason and they come in and they play first team. Jacques one of them. Leicester versus La Rochelle this weekend obviously will be absolutely epic. And then, Cooks, a question especially for you. Um, favorite Welsh side from this season so far? Oh, Tyler. Don't, don't give me those thoughts <laughs> on those, on those, um, on those ways, man. I, I, I'm going to go for the Dragons. They're trying, man. Hey, shame, my team, Timmy Am. Oh, they're trying, man. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, you know, I mean, they, they got, got battered by the Sharks and the Lions, but. There's something there, guys. You know, I'm I'm trying to get I'm trying to get back in the good books of the Dragons faithful. Rio Dyer's there. He's trying some stuff. So uh, I'm sticking with the Dragons. You know, they're not lost. So I mean, oh, they're lost now. But I mean, they weren't lost for the first four weeks. So at least there's there's progress. I mean, that's it's small wins. I mean, by the time we get to 2038, they'll be like 10th. So it's small wins. Sean, you're the best or your favorite um, non-Springbok South African rugby player so far in the URC teams. Oof. Um... Jeez, thanks for that, eh? Um, <laughs> shit, I don't know. Can we that pass this on? It is a high ball of high balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. such a high <laughs> ball. I'm going to drop that. <laughs> the wind is roaring right now. I'm going to drop that ball. And then I'm going to go with Ben Loder. Oh, what a save. Um, I, <laughs> I, um, sheesh, man. Tyler, that is the worst one you've ever given me. Eh? I'm just sitting here daydreaming. Listening, no, I meant, thinking, you know, I'm thinking about what I meant actually like... Sorry, Sean. You know what? I meant a, a South African player that isn't playing for the Springboks. Like, no, oh. except for the Springboks that come back from World Cup. He's been playing well. Look, Cameron. But Benlodas are not, not a bad answer for... Ben, ben, I thought you meant a non-South Hanukkah. African playing in the URC. Um, I'm, My bad. I'll go... i definitely go Cameron Hanukkah. Like, he's, he's cooking at the moment. I'm really interested. It's quite intriguing for me because I just really want to see how he does for the rest of the season. But we all know the second season syndrome is, is quite a serious one. So. Um, I think him for me would be a good one. 
there is a very, very good chance that he gets capped this year already, which would be quite remarkable. But um, sorry, next, next, well, this season, but next, next year. But Cameron Hanekom for me, I'm interested to see how, how that works out now and in the future. For you, Cooks? Uh, I'm going to give it to Robert, uh, Ruben van Heerden. I think, um, yeah, just been, I thought he was solid last season. So Storm is great signing. And then he's just sort of gotten better and better as the season's progressed. I think, um, yeah, he's, he's been massive for the Stormers. And I think um, losing someone like Marvin Ori is massive. I think he sort of stepped up and played a bigger, a, a bigger role on the side. And, yeah, I thought he's been fantastic. And I think, um, yeah, I think he's going, to have a, he's going to continue having a big season. I'm going to push someone I've slandered here a lot before. I think the goose is loose, guys. I think Johan Persson oh. is cooking at the moment. He's played some really good rugby. I mean, just on that pass alone to, I think he passed it to um, Kansu Moody for the one try. Like, yes. Like, obviously when we've, yeah, we don't have to go back on this Khoisan talking point. But yeah, when he's playing, when he's playing front foot rugby, there's not many better in the world, I think. And wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And he's out for six weeks. Thanks, Taylor. Well done. Yes, paintings. Well done, Taylor. Good job. Well done. I am sorry, guys. Taylor's just handicapped his own side. <laughs> okay, top 14, very quickly. Um, basically, long story short, um, too long, didn't read, is um, Paris is doing really well. Racing and Stade are, are near the top. Toulon's doing quite well. The likes of Toulouse and La Rochelle having a slow start, obviously bleeding in their, their French players. Um, and Montpellier is looking very dicey there at the bottom. Um, Sean, I mean, yeah, I don't <laughs> Quickly summarize the top 14. No, I'm joking. But I think the main thing with the top 14 so far is at least, you know, for Racing and Toulon and Stud, they can be pretty happy with, you know, things are going fine. And for Castro and, 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 and Powell, they can just be really happy that they've, I think, made hay while the sun has shone with, you know, the internationals being away. Yeah. So just a general thing about the top 14, they will, they'll play one side at home and uh, basically an almost different side away. And uh, home, home ground wins are more important than anything. But yeah, I'll tell you what's been very interesting for me is Powell. Um, obviously, the White Locks are there. but. They, they, for me, they've been fighting a little bit outside of their outside of their weight category, um, and stud a little bit too, because stud they. I mean, when Heineken Mayer was there, and they really struggled for a bit before and a bit after, and they're kind of getting. They look like they're having fun at the moment. I think their midfield of of Ward and and Joe Marchant has been exciting, and we'll definitely see a lot of it. The big. Like excited. Well, the interesting thing for me is Toulouse. Obviously, they they're quite um, heavy with French internationals, so they missed out on a lot of them. But the Toulouse and La Rochelle have been have been there and thereabouts, and on the bottom half of that. So they're going to be looking to to push it up. Obviously, the next two weeks of European rugby is going to put the top fourteen on hold. And the other thing is Lyon. Uh, Lyon are bottom. Uh, sorry, they're not bottom. Uh, they're they're second from bottom, but. They're, they're, that's been a bit challenging, but the biggest thing for me out of this whole top 14 is Montpellier are rooted at the bottom of the table. They have lost a lot. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, they've only got seven points. I mean, there's some big names there. They've been through a little bit of a roller coaster the last few seasons, new coaches, new this, new that. 
but Montpellier to be bottom of the log is absolutely wild. I know it's early on in the season, and the season will go on for another two years before it ends, but that's that's crazy. It's crazy to see them there. Yeah, one win out of nine is just a ridiculous record. We'll talk some Champions Cup in a few moments, but Cooks, just very quickly on the Premiership. I mean, the Premiership has 10 teams this season. Uh, right now on the log, <laughs> eight of them are within touching distance, more or at least seven of them are within touching distance with Leicester being only seven points behind Bath. And yeah, they. I mean, I guess the one good thing with having less teams is that it's a lot more competitive. Saracens are probably still the best team in the competition, but Bath looks really good with obviously all the high-powered signings they've made the last two seasons. Jan van Kran doing really well. And Sale were obviously the losing finalists, and they've continued on their good form from last season. Say it, Taylor. Say it. Don't say high-powered signings at Bath. You know who is the high-powered sign <laughs> in, in Finland. Oli Lawrence, just, yes. He's been really like, good. Don't just like sugar go around it. You, you know, Finn Baby is there. Oh, I think I need, I need to order a jersey. But um, I think the Premiership has been good. I think the weird thing in, in England is the actual rugby has been good. It's the shit on the outside, like in the offices and the money and like the actual product. I think the Guinness Premiership has been very, very good. There's been some really good rugby, but it's obviously it's down to 10 teams. But the problem is it's just all the off-field stuff is, is, is sort of like tinting the, the Premiership. But the rugby has been good. I mean, the teams have been, Leicester's been playing well. Saracens, obviously, they just, they, they just, they just trickle along in, 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 the, in the competition. But Bath, Johan van Kron, now the SA coach doing well sort of took over Bath when they were falling apart and now obviously got them to the top. Simon, I mean, made the greatest signing probably since, since, since rugby turned professional and getting Finn Russell second down greatest. there. So um, Second greatest because he will announce that Achis Neyman is going to go to Bath. Mm. Mm. Yes. Sean, don't come here. And you, don't, you just love coming here and just, and, and just ruining Finn Russell's moment. Bath was 5-2 getting relegated <laughs> a couple seasons ago. Now Finn comes, now they're at the top, top of the table. If COVID would come again and the league ends now, both are champions. Don't come here and ruin Finn Russell's doing magic. Please, please, guys. Yes, I'm excited to see. Oh, no, Archie must come back home. Archie must come. It's Bulls, it's Bulls, Bulls or Bath. It's Bulls or Bath. But to be, I'd love but to Bath. But to be fair, Archie but, but, but only plays Jeez. games during a World Cup year. So, so I mean, you sign him, he's only playing 2027. So, because I love how Archie just. Just paces himself for the World Cups. He's probably gonna, he, he's probably should stay away from Briars for the next three years, just in case. <laughs> just to be safe. Yeah, open fires, not for him. <laughs> yeah, not for him. Sure. Yeah, I think the, the Premiership yeah is, is shaping up really well. And yes, Oli Rance has been great for Bath. I'm not sure about their their fly half. Um, let's now talk about the Champions Cup opening this weekend. <sighs> Yo, so many great games to look forward to. I'm going to give you guys just each a game just to just to fanboy over for a few minutes. Um, Sean, I mean, it's, it's not a bad start when you can go Glasgow versus Northampton. Northampton just beat Saracens over the weekend. They, you know, they're looking like they, they, they're coming into some form. They got, obviously, the, all the English players back. The likes of Courtney Laws want to still play well. You know, it's a, it's a really, really good team um, there at Northampton. And I think you know, that match against Glasgow is going to be really good. Yeah, it's one of those games that'll be hard to pick um, because you would expect both sides to roll out their, um, their sort of first teams, um, which is expected. Most teams will do that. But 
it's it's a big one and the champions cup's not what it used to be where you had to get a win um early on to really secure and, and help your yourself through the champions cup now it can be you can win and lose a couple games and still make it through um so yeah but it's a cracking one to start off with um yeah what a what a way to get going glasgow versus saints is a is a, is a good start it's not an absolute blockbuster but it'll be a game that'll be worth 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 its money okay maybe let's do it like this i'll let's do some predictions while we going to the games as well so sean glasgow northampton i'm gonna go with warriors okay cooks i'm gonna go yeah warriors at home okay Bordeaux Connacht. Connacht playing at home. Cooks prediction. Ooh, tough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Bordeaux. No ways away from Ooh. home. Connacht to win that. No ways. Bordeaux looks good, especially Peno scoring. I think he scored what eighteen tries in his debut at home. Yeah, <laughs> but in in Ireland, at the sports ground, <laughs> it's a whole different baby. No, I think Connacht by like nine. And a certain Bandia key apparently is making his um, debut Real. for the season as well. Up against Morfana again. Yeah, that's going to... Ooh, that's going to be nice. Uh, Saturday, we start with Toulon versus Exeter. Sean, Toulon? I mean, <laughs> um, I just gave you the prediction. That's crazy. I'm, I'm a little torn with this one. I think... I, I do think Toulon Ooh. take this. Um, Chiefs last year maybe would have been a better shot. I think they're a little bit wobbly at the moment. Toulon at home... French sides at home, this is big for them. So expect them to go all out or throw punches. So Toulon. <laughs> Cooks? Yeah, same. Toulon at home. Okay. Let me let you fanboy over Bath versus Ulster. I mean, two of your teams that you like to see Cook. Um, yeah, Finn Russell versus um, James Hume. Yeah, I do. I mean, my favorite center pairing to watch. But um, I think Bath is rolling, so I'm going to go... Ulster's playing well as well, but I'll go Bath at home. Yeah, I want I want Bath to win too. Um, it's a tough one. Ulster have been shaky though. That's the thing. I think they're a little bit leaky. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit of a hard one. You kind of expect more from them, but Bath, I'd say Bath take this at the wreck. Okay, then Cardiff or the token Welsh side in the in the competition. They're facing Toulouse <laughs> um, in in France. <laughs> Sean, any hopes for Cardiff? To lose by 22. Yeah, Toulouse coming off a loss to start Francais is going to be... It's the, worst, it's the worst time for Cardiff to play Toulouse. So I think Toulouse could be, could be a bit of a hiding. Yeah, I think it's also one of the last DuPont games they have until he goes to the sevens as well. So yeah, Toulouse by 222 might be <laughs> closer to the mark. <laughs> DuPont with 15 hat-tricks. Yes. Um, Bulls versus Saracens. Bulls playing at Loftus. Owen Farrell against my own Farrell and Maratoja against probably the fans that hate hate them, hate them the most outside of England. Cooks prediction. Oh, I think I'm gonna go for um, Champions Cup Heritage here and go Saracens. <laughs> yeah, me too. I um, um, what? what a game! I think Saracens win this. Yes, I was actually going to maybe do a bit of a turn and say, uh, seems like a Saracen statement win, but now that both of you predicted it, I'm definitely going to predict the Bulls now. Farrell's we back this weekend as running. well. I mean, just an article now, Farrell's back as well this weekend. Ah, no, yeah, and that, oh, that Saracen's team on paper looks amazing. Gonzalez is now in it. He's, he's so in well. It. Cinti's in the midfield. 
Looks really, really good. Uh, Munster vs. Bayon, Sean? Oh, Munster. The Red Army. Looks. Yeah, I've got to go with Red Army. Munster as well. Yeah, I think, I think Munster, that's my early prediction. Munster's going to be in the final. I'm not sure against two. Uh, yeah. Bristol versus Leon Cooks. Bristol at home. Ooh, I'm going to go Leon. Oh, no chance. Bears. Bears by a lot. Bears only play well on Friday night. This is true. <laughs> this is <very> true. <laughs> uh, and this is a late Saturday game. Yeah. I think Leon might sneak a surprise here, actually. And I, I, I see where, where Cook is going. Sunday afternoon, Cell is hosting Stade Fran- Stade Francais. This is Yo. the hardest I think Stade Francais. Yeah. I think Stade Francais. I, oh, I don't know. I think Cell lost last week. And, mm. oh, man, I'm going, I'm going Cell, but I think it's going to be probably the game of the weekend. Okay, and then Pollard against, again, I guess, Clayton Blomichies, according to Cooks. Cooks, who are you predicting? <laughs> I think Leicester. <laughs> Leicester to take it home. I think Leicester too. So excited. I, I, uh, there yeah. are also rumors that the Stormers are going to send Bro- a, a weak-ish side. Yeah. The Brock Harris All-Stars are going to be going to Welford Road, I, I, I assume. And then, off. Game of the weekend, the rematch of the final, no love lost between these two teams. Uh, Larishal against Leinster. Uh, Sean, who, who, who do you think is taking this one? Leinster going to win it well. Oh, Sharky, you took my bet. I think Leinster is coming in with big, big revenge. Got Jacques Nino by there, coach who can actually win a final. So, um, yeah. It's so not I a think, final, uh, so Leinster that's the win difference. It. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for Jacques and Inaba when they get to the final just, pick, just to find 15 South Africans and just like, okay, this is my team. And a 7-1 bench and then all of a sudden everyone will like it. Oh, I'd like, oh please, <laughs> Jacques Nino, rock my world and pick a 7-1 bench this weekend. Oh, Jacques, oh. I love that. I need him to pick a 7-1 split. I need this to happen. I need him to piss off all the Irish fans that said it was against rugby ethics. Oh, Jacques, you know, Oh, you could become my favorite coach of all time if you just pick a 7-1 split. Oh, that's what I need. Uh, Sean, very quickly, where's Greg Aldred? Is he still injured? Um, I must be honest, I haven't. I didn't follow La Rochelle last weekend or the weekend before, so I don't know. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll look for you while you guys pick the next ones. <laughs> okay, Cooks, then the final one, just two uh, Michelin chefs there, uh, Marcus Smith, and against Trevor Nyakane at fly half, Racing versus Harlequins at La Défense Arena in Paris. So I think uh, Paris is going to be rocking. So um, I definitely think um, Racing wins that one. Oh, um, Aldrit didn't play on the weekend. Um, so I'm not sure. Maybe he's still out. Um, Racing Quins could be fun. Um, I'm going to go with Quins and Andre Estes and just steamrolling mm-hmm. the planet. Mm, yeah, I think Racing. I think they they need to make a big uh, like run. I think in the oh, top oh, in no. the Champions Cup this season. Circulisi, sorry, Racing, Racing. Sorry, my fault. I didn't. My bad. <laughs> They're playing at home. Racing by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very quickly on some notable um, Challenge Cup games. 
Um, we're not going to do predictions, just going quickly over the games. Um, the Georgia Black Lions are playing their first game in the Challenge Cup. They're playing against Gloucester. The Cheetahs are back. They're playing Zebra um, this weekend. The Sharks are playing Pau this weekend. Um, I'm sure uh, the likes of Itzabeth um, are going to be at Ushaka Marine World this weekend. Um, and then, you know, Perpignan are playing the Lions. So the Lions are making a trip to um, France. So yeah, I expect them to be eating some hot dogs um, away from home. Um, gents, just very quick, any... Yeah, actually, we, I don't think we have much time. But yeah, Sean, any very quick shout-outs? Dragons versus Oyonnax will be will be my pick of the Challenge Cup, but my shout out goes to the Blitzbox. Yokes are freaking legends, and um, yeah, you've brought the vibe back again. So looking forward to them playing this weekend in Cape Town and winning. Cooks, um, I don't have a shout out. I've got I've got a, I've got a, a quick a mini rant. What the hell, New Zealand rugby? <laughs> Why is Super Rugby teams not supposed by Adidas anymore? Listen now, we're losing recipes. Super Rugby needs to be flippin' cancelled. First of all, no SA teams. Then we have, I mean, I love having the VGN teams add something different. Now, Adidas is no longer uh, the apparel sponsor for the New Zealand team. What the hell is going on in Utsenzo? Oh, those guys. Oh, That's what every, happens, every eh? year, those Oaks try to find ways to piss me off. Now, they're sponsored by Classic. What? We are losing recipes. What is going on with New Zealand rugby. This is why they're not World Cup champions right now. This is why they don't have four World Cup <laughs> trophies in their cabinet because they're doing things like this. Oh, I can't, oh, I'm so angry. I'm so, I, I look, like, I mean, there's something, the classic blues kit is so nice. It's an institution, eh? No, man, what is, watch, watch, watch now Adidas now, not, not sponsored All Blacks, and the sponsors, or sponsors like Umbro or something. Then just, just cancel the whole thing. Just, 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 just write off New Zealand rugby. <laughs> Oh, like, I'm telling you, the first Super Rugby game is going to be on a Wednesday night. Watch, like, like a flipping club game. So sick of those guys. I'm going to petition now for Super Rugby to be cancelled. They must just play with themselves. Uh, NPC from January to October. Australia can play cricket half the year or do whatever they do while they try to find a coach. Um, Fijian teams, they can come join URC. I mean, I don't know. Uh, rugby needs to come to an end, guys. It has to come to an end. Um, and, uh, especially Super Rugby. Okay, let's end on that note. Thank you so much for listening to the Rugby Bits podcast. Please follow us on our social media channels uh, to hear more about what's happening in the rugby world. And we will see you after the first weekend of the Champions Cup. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye.